Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, this is Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. I'm Bruce Daisley. It's a podcast about making work better. I don't know about you, but I've just been working sort of so relentlessly and opening my laptop at so many times that I was really looking forward to having a few days off and hadn't properly scheduled it. So I had to do little bits here and there. But let me tell you, broadly, my week in Beirut was not the relaxation that anyone might have conceived so last Tuesday I was in Beirut, which I'm now informed I witnessed the, the biggest peacetime explosion in a city ever. Strange one. We'd been out at the city beach during the day and just come back to chill. You know, that sort of that downtime. You sort of immerse yourself in your device before we were going to a restaurant in the evening. And I was slouched on a bed sort of very in character with my 2020 vibe, that part. And uh, the bed started shaking sort of gently and then like more and more heavily and uh, texted Earthquake to my group. And it, and it lasted about, oh, man, it's hard to guess the times with these things, isn't it? It lasted about 30 seconds. And by the end of it, I was sort of very glad to see it had ended. And when it stopped, I jumped up to sort of go and compare notes with everyone and was suddenly greeted with Windows crashing open and and sort of bursting open but then it was it was what happened next it was like this it was this sound this shrieking sort of end of the world sound as as i think air was being sucked out of the windows um it's like if you've seen the the mushroom cloud that happened i think air was being sort of sucked into that i think i don't know i mean i honestly couldn't tell you because because while loads of dirt and dust blew in I think initially it sucked out. Anyway, um, we were sort of three miles away, really. Thankfully, no one with us was hurt. But we'd previously been at an Airbnb right in the city centre, about four streets from the blast. So Jamaze is right next to the port, and, and we were in Malmichael, which is sort of um, a little bit further than there. Fantastic party. It, just a brilliant, sort of lively part of town, really. If you want to see the life in Beirut, uh, Mar Michael's always a, a great place to go. And uh, we went there the next day, went back to check on the Airbnb we'd stayed in, actually. We'd we'd met the the guy who was effectively like the building manager, the caretaker of it. It was just four apartments, but uh, we wanted to check he was okay and we wanted to check that no one had been hurt. And the scene was just total destruction. Like every step, there was just like this crisp, like fresh snow sound of like walking on crushed glass, shattered glass. 
everywhere around you was that scratchy sort of tinkle tinkle sound of glass being swept up. There's a real acidic bite in the air that made your eyes water and, and made you tighten your face mask. And Beirut's such a spirited place. There's so much, you know, continual optimism in younger generations of the people there. But the old politics is tainted by sectarianism and kleptocratic behaviour. It's it's hard to get hard to not to get beaten down. Really, love to everyone there. I think I'll go back in September. But uh, crazy, what great fortune and how lucky I am personally not to be one of the unlucky ones. And you've got to be grateful for that. Right, that aside, let's get to today's episode. Here's the question. When are you and your work going to go back to the office? Over the last few weeks on the newsletter of the podcast, I've been sharing details of what firms are doing. And today I've got a few of the people who I've covered on the newsletter on the phone. So we're going to discuss what we've learned from them and what comes next. I've, I've chatted to so many people, I've split it into two episodes. So the first episode is today, and that was inspired by a Twitter thread from the first caller in the show, Dan Cullen Shoot. He's from the advertising agency called Creature. But we're also going to hear from people in consulting, in defence, pharmaceuticals, a startup, a whole range of different industries, really, asking when are they going back to the office, what's their philosophy going forwards, what do they think they're going to learn from the experience. On today's chat, myself and Dan discussed the firm's decision, his firm's decisions on this. You can see the tweets he posted in the show notes. And he's going to talk about office space, about choosing which days to come back. He's going to talk really, there's a really interesting thing. He's going to talk really about so much of us, I think unconsciously, used the word work culture to be synonymous with sociability and socialising with each other. And, you know, it begs the question, when we're not socialising with each other, how are we constructing a good work culture? And, you know, it's sort of big debates going on. Other debate, I guess, is going on for a lot of people is what role is the office going to take? I saw one of my favourite podcasts is called Brian and Roger. It's about two middle-aged divorcees leaving voicemails for each other. And it's made by a company called Great Big Owl. And this week they were tweeted that, tweeting that Regis, their landlords, wouldn't let them, let them use their office space for the purpose they'd hired it, but wouldn't release them from their contract. So it's like this weird thing. They can't use it. They can't take as many people in there as, as they want. But uh, simultaneously, they won't be released. And I think these things are going to stay long in people's minds when it comes to choosing new office space or whether they want new office space. Dan discusses what Creature, his agency, are doing with their space. But it's a fascinating discussion. I saw one organisation this week saying that they decided they they just wanted meeting space one day a week. And in fact, Dan mentions one company who had approached him on that. I guess the interesting question is whether the day of the week you choose can define you and your culture. There's a lot of talk of Wednesday and Thursday, which is what Creature are saying, but... I think long term, some firms might say, look, we want Mondays in the office, get it done, or Fridays, and we'll sort of style it as a certain sort of vibe. And because these days will end up being cheaper, we maybe can build something a bit different, a bit interesting. So one of the things that I think come out of all these firms talking is that we often find it difficult to separate culture and that sociability. Uh, my friend Gary runs a, a culture consultancy called Wonder sort of an inspiration for my interest in it, really. And uh, he always says firms who have good culture generally have high sociability with each other. People want to spend time together. 
And Dan in this episode articulates that, but also the way that maybe we're being forced to question that. Um, and, you know, he felt that culture at Creature, they had some money in the bank, they had some sort of cultural capital when it came to their collective energy. But obviously it poses a question going on. So anyway, so that's why I wanted to, to have this discussion. Um, so like I say, there's going to be another episode when I'm going to be talking to Defence, PwC, all manner of startups, all manner of different companies um, to get a broader perspective. But first, so let's hear what one company are doing to try and ensure that they keep their culture as a creative and inventive point of difference. So here's Dan Cullen Shute from Creature. I'm Dan Cullen Shute. I'm the chief exec of an, an agency called Creature, which I, I set up with my, my creative colleagues, Ben and Stu, uh, about nine years ago, back in 2011. We're an advertising agency at heart. We obviously, like all advertising agencies, think we do things differently and think differently and, and what have you. But ultimately, yeah, that's that's what we do across a, a wide variety of clients, helping solve various strategic problems and then then hopefully make decent adverts to persuade people to, to think differently about them. And talk me through where your head's been at for the last five, six months. So while we've been on this working from home hiatus, what things have you felt have been going especially well? And what things have you sort of been mourning and and wishing for the return of? I've been thinking all day about how I sort of, well, not even all day, for weeks about how I structure the story. It's so full of tangents and sudden left turns and what have you. It all sort of started obviously back in late Feb, early March, because my, my sister lives in Italy. So she she lives on Lake Como in a little town called Chernobyl, right in the heart of where this all started in Europe, the whole COVID thing kicked off. So she was always sort of two to three weeks ahead of us. We've always been very aware, I think, from from January, February onwards, that, that something could well be coming. We ended up a creature going fully remote about a week before lockdown started. I think if it was Tuesday, I lose track of the dates, but if it was Tuesday the 23rd or whatever, the previous Monday was our first full day working from home. We decided actually the Friday before that Monday was going to be our sort of, we were going to do a test day because we had a feeling it was coming and we wanted to sort of get on the front foot. And then even over the weekend, it just, it felt like what was coming had gone from being a sort of a theory to inevitable. And I think Stu tells me, I don't remember saying this, but he tells me that I walked out of the office on the Friday afternoon and said, I wonder when we'll all be back in here again. And he laughed and we went to the pub and had a beer. Um, we sort of we went early and were pleasantly surprised by how well it all worked. It's easy to sort of look back now and imagine that we were all setting up for the long haul and all the rest of it. But we all thought we were going to be out of the office for a couple of weeks at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and we, we talked about it and approached it from that perspective, I suppose. I don't know, when you run an independent agency and you've, you've been through the ups and downs that we have, you are very conscious of managing expectations, I suppose. And the last thing we wanted to say was, don't worry, guys, it'll all be over by Christmas. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Let's just make do for the next however long and it'll all be right again. We wanted to kind of do it properly. So we, I think we did two things. One, for the first couple of weeks of lockdown, we left our clients alone, which sounds slightly odd, but we were very conscious that our clients were busy wondering whether they'd still have jobs and whether their marketing departments would still exist in a month. So we kept ourselves to ourselves and focused on our own business. And I think we spent those two weeks getting good at working remotely. The surprising thing was how much we ended up enjoying it. We spent a lot of time at Creature thinking about the culture and agency culture is a horrible buzzword and it too often means putting a card behind the bar now and again. But we work very hard to create 
an agency full of not people who are the same by any stretch, like quite quite the opposite, but people who like each other and people who get on. And in that first couple of months, the value of that was enormously apparent. So it's almost like money you had in the bank was paying off. Exa- exactly that. And we, we've talked about that sort of that credit debit balance a lot, actually. Suddenly, we didn't have to try as hard as a lot of people did. People liked each other. They were willing to work for each other. And through that initial period of weirdness, that was hugely valuable because the sort of speed bumps that could have derailed us actually turned into things that we all laughed about and worked on and and made better. I think that the funny bit was three months in, we did an agency survey just asking people how they were feeling. And I think I had a bit of itchiness at that point. I, you know, I'd, I'd had a little girl in February, so I was having actually a really nice time at home working long hours. And don't forget, this was all set against a context of budgets being slashed and or delayed. So it's it's not like we were sitting in a hugely comfortable position. There was a lot of low-level survival anxiety around at this point. You know, a lot of us who run independent agencies or who are working in independent agencies were having lots of conversations about what the future might look like if we got to have one. We did a sort of we did a staff survey asking people how they were finding working from home and when they wanted to get back to the office. And I think, to be honest, we were expecting it to stay as soon as is humanly possible and to give us a kind of a litany of problems and challenges that we could then work on for the former. And the truth was, people were actually quite enjoying it. There were definitely things that they were missing: the community, the the two minute chats, the overheard stuff, the buzz you get. And I've I've talked before and I've, I've written before about the value of the office and I still totally buy into that there was definitely a huge amount of that that was missed but what really took me by surprise was the overwhelming sort of swell of of positivity around working from home around kind of obvious things that you'd expect so sort of parents in the office who are like I know it's never been a problem but god it's nice not to have to feel even a little bit awkward when Mm. at five o'clock I have to go and pick x up from nursery or sorry not nursery at that point but when I have to um look after bath time and and blah 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 but actually the sort of the some of the younger people who I had thought would be missing the office because there's a pub over the road and in my head that's still to a certain degree what advertising was because it's what I grew up in was working really hard and then drinking and playing and all the rest of it and actually everybody was finding huge positives in the working from home scenario and it was a really powerful moment because it, it flicked my Ben and Stu and, and Andrews, our chief strategy officer's mindset slightly. It flicked us from, right, when can we get people back into the office to what is it going to look like when and if we do? And I think being able to sort of think about that question felt like a bit of a luxury in a way. And yeah, and so we sort of, we did that. I did a, a webinar with the IPA around inclusivity and, and stuff like that. And I found myself getting on a bit of a, you could call it a high horse, you could call it an impassioned rant. But just around the opportunity that this gives us, I think, you know, advertising as an industry has sort of stood and watched while technology has accelerated and has embraced technology in, in a lot of ways when it comes to what we do for our clients. But actually, how the industry itself is run hasn't really changed for decades. We all operate out of offices. We all basically run a working day from, well, we'll say nine till five, but it's realistically 8.30 till six-ish. There is a, a growing amount of goodwill, I think, certainly in certainly in our agency, around flexibility and inclusivity, but it's always as a nice to have. You know, I, I think the sort of even the, the official guidelines around flexible working are that you must always consider it as a, as a request if requested, but unless there's really good reason, to, please don't ever feel you have to grant it. And I, you start to realise... Well, certainly I started to realise as I've, as I've grown up and as I've got a bit older and as, you know, different things in life, both good and bad, have, have happened to me that it's an industry, it's a, it's, a, it's a world full of micro-exclusions, just full of those little moments that can leave a lot of people thinking, oh, maybe this, maybe this isn't for me. And, you know, that, that's big stuff like clients demanding 
8am meetings and us finding it hard to say no because we are at their behest and suddenly if you're a parent then it's tricky and you have to have difficult conversations through to things that seem smaller when you're in them like you know um, what do you do at the end of the day well we go to the pub because we're like a big family you know okay that's great as long as you like going to the pub and or drinking and want your work to feel like a family it struck us that this was actually a massive opportunity and I I think we're seeing more and more conversations around what's going on now and about how COVID is going to accelerate change as things like this often do we're going to see I think the next sort of 30 to 50 years of gradual development compressed into the, into sort of two to five years and it struck us rather than trying to, to build extensions or extra bits onto a, a structure that already existed covid had sort of raised it to the ground and we we have the chance to build something that is exciting and positive and future facing rather than just uh, a slightly better version of what we already have there's a few things that come from what you said there. Firstly, it's especially notable in a, a business, an industry that's meant to be ostensibly creative, yeah. how remarkably traditional and compliant we all were. So like you say that, you know, it was regarded as flexible if someone was coming in an hour earlier or an hour later. It, yeah. was, it was regarded as a concession that people should herald. And you mentioned something along the way, which was, for me, the most interesting part of this, is you mentioned that our familiarity is shaped by what we grew up with. And so, you know, especially in most of us, a lot of the people listening will have joined organizations and they'll have worked out how that organization works by the way it worked. And it was like yeah. this casual observation. And it's often very difficult for us to shake off those those molds, isn't it? Either, you know, the familial background we grow up in or the work background we we start with it very indelibly molds what we expect mm-hmm. um organizations to look like so how did you set about trying to challenge yourselves on that it's funny because it, i have to tread very carefully or i end up making covid sound like a like a good thing which obviously yeah. it's not it's it's a it's a terrible thing and, and god knows we, we're going to see the impact of that from a personal emotional professional etc and commercial sense for, for a really long time but but one incredible thing that it did as things like it I won't to do was smash down all of the barriers that we previously thought were impenetrable. All of the things that we didn't think we could ever do, it suddenly transpired that when we had to, we really could. You know, in, in advertising, it sounds like they're small, small things, but presenting creative work over video conference or, you know, running a, a creative process or a pitch process via video conference remotely, you know, winning a pitch without ever being in the same room as, as the clients that you're pitching to. None of these things were imaginable. Even in January, even in February, nobody would have believed for a second, which is why we were in this kind of gently, gently, step by step. We'll get there eventually, but it's going to take a really long time because nobody's ready for this yet until all of a sudden on, on March the 24th, we had to be. There just wasn't a choice. We didn't make the decision to see the world differently. The world changed around us. I think the decision that we made was to embrace that rather than to kind of hide and wait for it to settle down. It's been a wonderful thing. And I I think the the, the funny thing is, where we have, where I'm definitely most excited about what, what we're doing is the world has always been full of sort of extreme contrarian type voices um and you're very smart people who who sort of view their role as as gender engendering conversation and and pushing barriers around and all the rest of it and there was there was a huge amount of chat certainly in kind of months three and four of of lockdown around whether anyone will ever go back to the office and and blah blah and it my my frustration there was that that conversation was all coming from fairly 
well-off senior people in advertising who lived in very, very lovely green belt houses. And there was a truth that while people were enjoying a lot of what working from home brought them, and even working from home is a troublesome phrase. Working from home is something you can only do if you're based in an office most of the time. You know, we, we haven't spent the last six months working from home. We've been working at home, stroke, living at work. And there has been numerous challenges around sort of you know, for for people like me who are lucky to live in a in a nice three bedroom house in southeast London with a with a you know a classic London garden and a family that I really like, there's still been issues with bleed and working life coming into the, the sort of the personal evenings, etc. And for a lot of people who work at Creature and a huge number of people across the industry, working at home has been hot. It's easy to, to think it's all lovely when you're in your garden in leafy wherever, but when you're an account manager living in a house share with three other account managers working for competing agencies in zone four somewhere, then it, it's a very different picture. So I think we had the luxury of a world that didn't have any rules in it anymore and the slightly stubborn perhaps relentlessly optimistic desire to build something better within it we'd operated at one extreme for so long the instinct is always to jump to the other extreme let's burn down all the offices and everyone will work from home in this kind of utopian vision of of oak kitchen tables and cups of tea off the arger and the truth is neither of those are right but what we think is right <laughs> and what we think can be right in a way that just five, six months ago was unimaginable is a combination of the two. And it's not straightforward. We're not leaping into it blind. And this perhaps speaks to our our mindset more than anything. We consider ourselves lucky that we are tied into our lease until at least next October, you know. Oh, got it. That's interesting because because obviously you came out and you you did this sort of very in character, <laughs> profanity filled, charming little tweet thread talking about how you were going to have this quite exciting sounding sort of caffeinated, energizing Wednesday and Thursday in the office. And I yeah. think you know one that one of the comments from someone I'm an enormous fan of, Anthony Slumbers. He said, but this seems incredibly wasteful. And I guess, you know, by implication, he he was suggesting that this is, by its nature, an interim solution. I'm, I'm sort of quite supportive of something being an interim solution, but I guess that gives you some grace. The fact that your lease is up in a year and a half, you can probably work out what works and what you love. Is that right? It's, I, I don't want to... No, 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 no. It's, it's precisely that because I, I think there's where to start. The first thing is we're not idiots and we like to nicely dismantle bridges behind us rather than set fire to them the second we've set foot on them. So we're doing a sort of a six-month trial because there will be things we haven't anticipated that crop up that make us go, oh, hang on, that's a challenge. This could be better, this could work better, etc. So one of those is definitely the office space. And I think the answer to that question, I guess, is twofold. There are two options to it. The first is that if this works as we think it's going to, then when we next take on office space, it won't look like what our office space currently looks like. Our hypothesis is that we can half the floor space that we need to have the the same number of people in there because of the way we'll be working on the two days that we're in there. Um, And that's rooted in two things, I guess. One, what we think our business will look like off the back of this, but also just the fact that office space at the moment is so insanely inefficient in how it's laid out. Basically, we've got the front half of the office, which is collaborative working spaces, breakout tables, two meeting rooms and a reception area. And then the back half, which is just desks fairly traditional open space. We don't think we'll need that back half in the future. We think that people coming together for two days won't be doing what happens mostly at desks, which is headphones on, working heavily on stuff because they'll have three days when that can happen easily. They will be coming in for the spirit and the the communality and the community and the the collaboration and working together and pulling that stuff. So we we think it will work very differently. We'll, We'll see. But that, that's definitely our working theory. 
the other theory though is is that we get to have really interesting conversations about what we do with our working space. Someone else that, that got in touch with me off the back of my sort of uh, profanity-laden announcement with a business idea, a business that they launched, where they are basically chopping up leases on working space. I think, and I think they even called themselves 3-2 or something like that. So leasing office space to two businesses at the same time. So one business has it Monday, Tuesday, another business has it Tuesday, Wednesday. Whether that's something we do, because, and it's funny, to your, to your point about only knowing and being shaped by what you've grown up with, I still get slightly uncomfortable about the idea of living in shared accommodation. Yeah. It's like football teams sharing grounds, isn't it? It's, it is. It's a bit funny. I like. I do like having our space. But I get, I get the, the, the crux for me is that wasteful is a very relative term in this sense. I didn't see that tweeted when it, sort of, when it first came in, and I'd love to pick up with him afterwards. I'd love to know exactly what he means by wasteful because if he's just worried that we're going to be spending money on office space that we're not using a lot, then I'm not concerned about that at all. As I say, A, I think we'll half the, the square footage that we need. B, I think it will still be used quite a lot because I think a lot of people will want to come into the office. I think I think that will still be important. I think there are a lot of people, A, who quite like coming into the office, but B, who really don't enjoy working from home. And I think the crux of this for us is that it gives you the flexibility to build the working life that you want. If this works, then you can live in Yorkshire five days a week, get the train down at 6am on a, on a Wednesday morning, stay overnight, go home on the Thursday. And actually your life isn't London based anymore. Suddenly a sort of an industry that's been incredibly London centric for God knows how long opens up enormously. Equally, if you really like London and you live in London and you don't want to leave London and actually you kind of hate working from home because work because work is your workspace and home is your safe and clean space, then you can be in the office five days a week and we, we have no problem with that. The intention here is to open this up to everybody and to make flexibility the foundation on what we're built rather than a sort of a sprinkling that can go on top of it. It will inevitably mean that some bits of the office are empty for some days of the week. We think that is a price worth paying for a workforce that is happy and excited and empowered by the sort of the, the work life that they're given. The interesting thing for me is sort of imagining the, the world that you'll be in when that lease is renewed. And I don't want specifically to make it about Creature now, but any right. business who may be in 15, 18 months is, is reviewing their lease. It does beg the question whether we might say, oh, those sort of energised Wednesday, Thursdays were so potent, but um, people who buy season ticket for trains would much prefer coming in for a whole week yep. and then, and or, you know, a, a whole week a month rather than two days a week. And it, mm. it just, it, it starts begging the question whether, you know, there'll be different models of this. And I, I guess none of us can necessarily, or you could end up with a Leeds offshoot of the organization because there's two people three people who live in leeds and, yeah. you know organizations might find themselves organically sort of twisting and, and these intention paths changing the way they actually operate and that i tell you what mate everything you've just said is so exciting because i i, yeah. I think i think the future has to be directed to a certain degree um one of one of the uh, questions I was asked when I when I announced this was, "Oh, will will people be able to choose the days that they're in the office because that would provide ultimate flexibility for for working parents?" Um, which I was very comfortable responding to as a, as a working parent. And the answer to that was no, because you do that, and all of a sudden you you lose the sort of the hybrid balance that we're trying to create. Those two days when people are together are are so important, and it's not this isn't just about going, guys. 
there is no office future. We're all free to work from wherever we so choose. And as long as we make, if, if, you, if you're happy to live a nocturnal life, you can live in New Zealand. I, I don't care. It isn't that because I, we've definitely, to go back to your, your original point about sort of the, the credit balance thing, we have definitely seen the strength and culture of Creature start to creak. I guess, and I'm, I'm being very honest here, but in in the last yeah. sort of the last few weeks, we we had a, a summer party on the roof of the agency um, last Thursday, and it was amazing. <laughs> like it was it was a proper and to, to stress, it wasn't amazing in a kind of a classic advertising, dancing girls and ice sculptures and yeah. and what have you kind of way. It was amazing just because oh, look, we're all here and suddenly you, you can, and you could genuinely feel the sort of depleted energy build back up. And I think that's hugely important. That said, I don't know what the future looks like. I know what I think the future of Creature starts off looking like. I'm incredibly excited about cutting the bush right back and being able to decide what shape it grows into rather than trimming it every year to chuck in a random gardening metaphor. <laughs> right. it's, it's a really interesting one because you mentioned along the way and one of the things that scribbled down is that you, you felt you had some money in the bank, you know, cultural, yeah. you had some cultural capital that you were able to to um, to tap into. And I guess to some extent, the reason why getting together last week probably helped you renew that some of that capital. And it just it raises a really interesting point about how if organizations don't do what you're about to do and, and have these couple of days in the office, how will they ever create that cultural capital for new starters, for for people who, you know, are returners from maternity, people who how will we bring that cultural capital? Can you do it through a screen? And I think, you know, that's that's what a lot of us are wrestling with right now. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, my personal view is that at the moment you can't. I don't think you can with the technology that we have. Bearing in mind, we've gone from thinking of technology as something that by and large happens in offices with super fast broadband, et cetera, et cetera, to something that is now forced to happen in flats and semis and what have you all around the country. I, I think you struggle. Um, I think you can make something work, but I don't think you'll achieve the same level as you do by on your first day in the office having a really, really good kind of induction and being introduced to the key people and then chatting to a couple of randoms in the kitchen and then, you know, making tea together and then looking a bit lost at lunchtime and somebody going, oh, do you want to come? There's, we're going to grab a sandwich. Do you want to? I still, I still think that's hugely important. I just think a world where you do that twice and then on the rest of the time, you are in your space and, you know, whether it's looking after your family or even just sort of having lunch with your housemates rather than your, at your desk. It just, it, like I say, I'm, I'm trying not to speak with too much certainty because certainty in anything, I think, is, is something that, that scares the crap out of me. Of everything we've done at Creature in the last nine years and of everything that I've done in my career in the last 20, this is one of the things that I felt most certain about. Not necessarily that it will work, to be clear, but that it should and that it will if we get it right. This balance is the answer to a lot of questions we've all been dancing around for a while. And had it, had it not been for the sort of the, the horrific situation that we we all sort of found ourselves in in the last six months from a, from a global point of view, I don't think we'd have been able to get to this. You know, if, if I'd said to my clients, we're going to stay, if I, even if I'd said to my clients, yeah, we're not going to come and see you tomorrow, we're going to present the creative via video conference, is that okay? They'd have gone, what? <laughs> and in that way, it's a, it's a fortunate disruption, isn't it? Because, you know, any of us who, if we'd tried to say we're only doing two days a week in the office, a lot of clients would have said, well, I want to meet you on Monday or I want to meet you on Friday yeah. or they would have created these restrictions. And, and we're so fortunate that actually scarcity often produces better outcomes, doesn't it? But we're so fortunate that everyone was forced into these 
this yeah. because it it meant that it was sort of inarguable that change had to come. It feels weird to talk about fortune in, in this situation, but I think alongside all of all of the the horror, COVID has removed so many barriers to positive growth <laughs> which, which yes. feel again it feels very new age which is not necessarily my comfort zone but as it, there, there were so many things we thought could never happen then all of a sudden they weren't gradually eroded over time as is as is normally the way they just had to happen and they had to happen tomorrow because all of a sudden you know the prime minister has stood up on tv and, and we're all very blasé about it because we're british and this is how we do but it's mental what we've been through over the last six months We've all just got on with it. Offices are still functioning. Businesses are still working because yeah. we're all very stoic and we're very, we deal with stuff. And I think, like I say, that the opportunity was definitely here to go, oh, thank God. Well, that's done. Right. Let's get back to the office and we'll see you Monday morning for the traditional 8.30 workflow meeting and we'll all crack on from there. We have the opportunity at Creature because we, you know, we're, we're not a big business. There's 30, 35 of us. We have the ability to write our own future in a way that bigger businesses don't necessarily, you know, and I don't just mean that in a kind of philosophical sense, but in the way that, you know, businesses out there who have one lift servicing nine floors of, of 5,000 people, like it, it's harder for them. <laughs> I can very easily say we'll all be back in the office on Wednesday and Thursday in the COVID times. And that works. We can make that work. I think that the most important thing for me on all of this though, is that this isn't a COVID solution. This is a future that COVID has allowed and lots of the questions are, oh, how are you going to handle safe social distancing within the office? We will. Like, we, we have a plan and we've, we've done all the risk assessments and all the rest of it. But, but that's not what this is about. Like I said, this isn't a, you know, how do we operate our business during these slightly funny times? This is what opportunities are there for us to build a business that is genuinely exciting for everybody that weren't there before. It's Sorry. a really good prism to look at through it, though, isn't it? To say, how can we create an organisation that people want to work at yeah. when, you know, the, the workplace for a lot of people is going to be their bedroom, in my case, or, you know, their their kitchen or, you know, a lot of people. But look, some of the old perks that used to happen, we used to hear about tech firms giving people snacks. Some of those perks will no longer apply. So how do you create an organisation a community, a, a collective of people that people are desperate to work at when some of those superficial things are removed. And that's why I'm so inspired by the the fact that you took a step to, you know, publicly say what you were doing and talk about it. And I love the fact that, you know, you, you, you recognize that probably there's more change rather than less change coming. Mm. So um, inspiring that you took, took that lead. Just, just to finish, is is there sort of is there anything that you, you've seen other organisations do that you're inspired by? I think a big part of of what drove telling people about this was that I just I wasn't seeing these conversations happening, um, and I I sort of think they need to. Um, I'd, I'd I'd love to know I'd love to know more about what what other people are planning because you hear the sort of the I mean so I I know you're trying to wrap this up and I could talk about this for hours as you can tell. <laughs> your your whole thing about tech companies incentivizing people with snacks is that's a whole hour long chat in and of itself. I think the companies that you know used to basically make it so that people never had to leave the office are going to really struggle now that people have remembered a that there's life outside the office and b that being in the office all the time sucks a bit. But that's a whole other thing. Um, so no, I, I it's it's been amazing watching people be positive about this and sort of Google talk about people not coming back to the office until next year, if ever, if they don't have to. All of that stuff is great. I want to see the future become a bit more tangible. That's not to say flexibility and, and open-endedness needs to be removed from the conversation because you've been an idiot to do that. But but I, I do, I, I want to see people say, 
this is what we're doing. More from my discussion with Dan after this. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now back to my discussion about how to return to the office with the boss of the creative agency Creature, Dan Cullen Shoot. Yeah, for me, the, the sort of telling people they don't need to come back for a year and a half has a very transactional understanding of work. It's almost like, okay, all we do is whether it's via email or whether it's by Google Hangouts, we're just passing information from one to the other. And we're sort of, we're almost like little cogs inside a, a watch and the organization goes. And it's transactional versus transformational. Yeah. If you believe that when people are in a room together, something happens when there's this a collision of ideas where something is created. Um, and everyone I've spoken to who has got any responsibility of doing anything creative has said, we're missing that sort of glint in someone's eye. We're missing the sort of the frown, the, the su suppressed frown that shows you that it's a bad idea. We're missing that face-to-face -face interaction. And I think in truth, from the Google perspective, it's a misunderstanding of where work is right now. None of us really are in jobs that are devoid from a need for some creative input. No. But I think it's sort of, they're being too reductive saying, oh, our work is this and we communicate very effectively. And I think they're missing the invisible, the sort of dark matter that exists between the things that you can see. And it, this is where I could get myself in trouble, so I, I won't. I won't follow up on that <laughs> too much. But I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think we we first went back into the office. I'd need to check my dates, but I think it was May um, because we had a big pitch meeting on the Monday, and actually the final creator review. Of course, we could have done it remotely, but being in the same place as each other made it better a hundred times over. And I. I don't think that will change anytime soon. I, I think I, I have two, I have, I have one main focus, you know, as, as an independent business owner, my, my focus has to be making my business work well. I just happen to believe that if the people that are working within it are happy and excited and passionate and impassioned to be there, 
that's how it will work at its best. Um, and I think that isn't everybody work from home forever or work from wherever forever, nor is it right. Everybody back in the office because we're starting to see some efficiencies and it needs to stop. It's finding that, that world in the middle where you still get the vast sense of empowerment and of, we believe in you. I don't need to be standing behind you to know that you're doing your job. I just need to know that you care about doing it. And of course you do. So get on with it. But also that, alchemy that comes from a bunch of brilliant people being in the same place not literally at this point but you know figuratively bouncing off each other and we talk about positive friction a lot and it's very hard to engender positive friction over a scheduled zoom you know that that happens when you're in the same place and overhearing something and all the rest of it and and it's not the best of both worlds it's finding a balance it's finding uh as i say the sort of the alchemy that comes from a bit of this and a bit of that shoving it together and hopefully, you know, there's a, a big old exciting explosion. Do you imagine there's a version of work where we're all on Zoom calls and it sort of eliminates some of those little disagreements, beefs, ding-dongs, and when there's good trust in the room and we know each other well, you know, people can fight like brother and sister and actually it's part of the process and it's healthy. And, and w- when we're sort of living this sanitised Zoom call life, some of that friction disappears. Is that what you mean by that? Completely. I, th- I think we've, we've always believed that a good relationship, whether it's internally or in, in real life or between clients, a good relationship isn't defined by agreeing a lot. It's defined by how well you disagree and the, the good stuff that comes out of that. And I think working remotely has proved immensely efficient for us. But as ever with efficiency comes a loss of something. Um, And I think, yeah, I think you've put it really nicely. For me, a Zoom call can be a brilliant thing. And we work really hard on making Zoom calls feel as as little like Zoom calls as possible. Um, I don't mind doing a chemistry meeting over Zoom if we have to, because, you know, you can still make jokes. You can still talk over each other. You can still bounce back and forth as long as you are good and it's not forced. But you do. You lose lose a little bit of that humanity. Um, And you lose certainly the ability to go, you know, jazz, you haven't said anything. What's, what's, what's up? Cause actually if there are five people on a zoom call or six people or 10 people on a zoom call and somebody's not saying something, then that's actually a bit of a blessed relief. Um, and you know, we, I think we first started talking about that from, from a very different angle, but right at the beginning from a kind of a, a pastoral making sure everybody was okay point of view. If you're in the office, you know, if somebody's sad because they look a bit sad. Whereas if you're all working remotely and you don't happen to have a meeting with that person, then you might not know. So you have to kind of proactively go after it. It is, I think, we think the same with, with creativity, with friction, with, with rubbing up against each other, that that kind of, oh, I'm not sure you're right, disappears a little bit over Zoom. I know I'm using Zoom, but, you know, Zoom team yeah, yeah, yeah. meets, whichever one you, you choose to. We went through a thing years ago at Creature where we tried to restructure our creative process because um, because it was easier, I suppose. And we'd have creative reviews that would last a couple of hours because people would disagree and we'd thrash that out. And so we changed it to be much more linear and efficient. And we just found that the work wasn't as good and that people cared slightly less. And so our focus ever since then has not been on removing the friction, but on making sure that it is positive and useful and obviously, you know, warm and human and never slips over into our solary. And I think that... Time and time again, digital experiences are built around seamlessness and removing friction. Um, And I think our belief is that on kind of every level, a human, a tech, a business, a commercial, you name it, you need a degree of friction. That that is 
from a scientific point of view, friction is where the good stuff happens. You know, that's that's what causes causes reactions, which makes better things. And I think, again, our hope is that the the three two will enable us to have the kind of seamless efficiency where it's valuable and the the positive, exciting friction where it's imperative. Thank you so much. Uh, Bruce, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, As you can tell, I could talk about this for for longer. Um, I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) And basically you're doing all this because you want inspiring and amazing people to come and work for Creature. Yes. And so, so, you know, to to inspire people that you guys are willing to do things differently. Yeah, when we started Creature, we said, if we're getting this right, recruitment will never be a problem because there are a lot of bored people in advertising. And I think we we still believe that, the people who sort of wanted to get into a creative industry and were then put in a box, that box is getting bigger now. And it's not just bored people, it's it's people whose lives don't fit with the, the industry structure and yeah bring us bring us your misfits bring us your exciting people bring us bring us all of that um and we'll have a lot of fun thank you to dan i really appreciate him taking the time to talk to me at short notice if you are interested in this or any of the themes that come from this the best thing you can do is subscribe to the newsletter which is uh you'll find that at the top of the show notes just click on that and you'll get that on a weekly basis and really it's sort of helping every company, every organisation try and go through this thought process. So please do do that. And there'll be another episode uh, in your feed shortly, which has got far more companies talking about their experience of this. I've been Bruce Daisley. Appreciate you listening as ever. I'm, a, I'm delighted to be alive. See you next time. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.